0: You're now listening to the Talking Pictures podcast, broadcasting from sunny Orange County, California. Filmmaker, journalist, and film historian, Paul Booth. Aloha. Welcome to Talking Pictures with Paul Booth. I'm your host. As always, happy to be here today. We're going to be speaking with director April Wright of the film Going Attractions, The Definitive Story of the Movie Palace, which we reviewed on our last episode. It has been a rockin' and rolling week with Tate and Papa Michael, April's film. You're gonna wanna see this, especially if you love movies. Heck, even if you just love history, love American culture, love movie theaters, doesn't matter where you're at. Uh, today, we're gonna talk to April. I see our guest is on the line. Uh, are you with us, April?
1: Yes, I am. Hi.
0: Thank you for joining us. How's everything going today?
1: Uh, Pretty good. I'm just uh, about to travel back to Los Angeles for the world theatrical premiere of the movie, and I'm leaving a festival in Indianapolis right now.
0: (laughs) Oh, excellent. I love the architecture in Indianapolis. By the way, of course, that's why we're here today. Um, As April mentioned, the world theatrical premiere is coming up at Lemley, Los Angeles. Uh, let's see, October 24th to 31st We'll get into this with April What the movie, well you know what I always like to start out I can't stand talk shows where the, uh, the guest The host babbles on and on About what the movie's about And we always have a thing where we're just like We have the filmmaker on the phone Why don't we ask them what the film's about
1: Well it's basically the whole history of cinema um, they're The origin of motion pictures And then how these buildings, the movie palaces, came into play as one of the ways that we, places that we went to see movies, and, of course, um, just how that's changed over time as things have evolved and what happened to these buildings over time. So it's the whole history of cinema, but as told through the eyes of of the places that we go to see movies.
0: Now, do you care to mention any of the special guests that join us, or do you want to keep that as a...
1: Who's in the film? Yeah. Uh, Leonard Maltin is um, in the film. I I saw him speaking at an event once at um, one of the big historic theaters in Los Angeles uh, that was the original United Artists flagship theater. And that's actually where I did his interview for this film. And I knew he was a film critic, but I didn't know he was such a historian that really knew film history and really knew the history of movie palaces as well. So I wanted to get him in the film. Some of the other cool people, I have the woman who saved Radio City Music Hall, which when I started the film, I didn't even realize that that was primarily a movie theater. And I also didn't realize that it almost got torn down in the 70s. So um, those are a couple people that are extremely interesting in the film, and, and there's a lot of others as well.
0: Oh, well, that's that's really great. I What I wanted to say that I forgot to say was before we go into this, anything I'm going to say about streaming does not reflect April, her film, people in her film, her distributor, the release. Um, as I said in the review, I have films on streaming, so obviously I obviously say have nothing against streaming, but I'm also that guy who just can't stand that his movie theater from when he was a kid is a Home Depot. So, Right, <laughs> April. What was what was the spark for you that that said, like I'm always most intrigued by this, and it doesn't even have to be about movies. What's the spark for you what? that was like I'm telling this story right now?
1: Right, right. Well, um, I mean, it is about movies for me, but since you just introduced it that way, I will say I've always been fascinated with architecture and especially unusual architecture. So you know, I love things like the Seattle Space Needle, and the St. Louis Arch, and just sort of things that are spectacle architecture, which I think movie palaces and also drive-in movie theaters fall into that. And I went to drive-ins and movie palaces growing up with my family. And the first documentary I made was about drive-ins. And and this one is a follow-up about movie palaces. And I think for me, it's just You know, going to these places, knowing how much we still love movies, I could not understand how they could be allowed to fall into bad condition, how they could be torn down. Um, You know, why wouldn't we want to keep these really beautiful, amazing structures? And so that is really what got me interested in trying to find out, you know, both for the drive-ins, what happened to the drive-ins and also for these types of theaters. So just being a movie lover and also loving unusual architect, architecture.
0: Interesting. Well, Hey, you know, there's something else about, I always tell everyone you don't have to, i my dad was born in Missouri so I can talk all the crap I want about it. Um, You (laughs) know, that's like Missouri, the attitude, the people, the, it seems like they didn't know a civil war went on when it comes to racism, but (laughs) the, the, again, and that's not April's opinion. That's just my opinion from uncles that anyways, there's nothing like standing under the St. Louis Arch. Uh, yeah. It's just so amazing. Um, anyway. Yeah, it is.
1: And yeah, but, so, you know, I didn't know you could go up in in it, in those little pods or whatever. I didn't know you could go up to the top of it and ride inside it. That that amazed me the first time I went there.
0: <laughs> oh, you know, I, I would, but I'm a super scaredy cat about heights, so the highest you'll get me in is a movie balcony. <laughs> On yeah. bad seats at a baseball game. For some reason, heights don't bother me at a baseball game, but ever else, I don't like them. Um, yeah.
1: Well, you can when you, you, it's more, it's more claustrophobia in the arch. And when you get to the top, you can feel it swaying. So you probably are better off. <laughs> oh,
0: Ooh. thank you for that, April. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, that saved me whatever 12 or $18 it probably costs, and the humidity yeah. and the water on feeling like you're going to pass out. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So the, the thing that was really interesting, well, that I loved learning from this was I've seen concerts in places that were movie palaces like the Fox in Oakland. I saw Jeff Beck there and I was just thinking, like, this is a pretty extraordinary venue to just have older guitar players, older blues acts, occasionally a hip hop act come through. I thought this is really extravagant. The roof so high, the carpet so nice. I would see these I traveled around the country one time and I would see all these fox feeders just looking decrepit. And I was mm-hmm. think, No, I, I did not put the correlation together. This was like in two thousand four. And I was just thinking, Right, at least if BB King's coming there in two months, you can have the marquee look nice. So so right. for you, was there a um huh. What was there a Yeah, so was any
1: anytime you're yeah. Anytime you're traveling around going to a concert and if it has the name and these are cities all over the, our country, if it has the name, the Paramount, the Warner, the Fox, those were all built by the movie studios and and they were built as movie theaters. And yeah, today, a lot of them either have traveling Broadway shows or concerts or that type of thing. But it is incredible to think that they were that lavish and that they were built as movie theaters. That's what kind of blows your mind, I
0: think. Oh, yeah. Well, what I love that your film touched on, and I'm not going to try to quote it, was that, and I'm not going to get into the landscape of the world today, but I do use it with people on a simple way, is that uh, the way these movie palaces bring together different social classes, it's always interesting to me. It could be a concert. It could be anything where we can, you know, I don't even like saying different kinds of people say 25 different kinds of people can go to a movie theater and sit down. And for like three hours, it's like, everybody gets along. And I Mm love how your film showed that like, everybody has some kind of attachment for some reason, when the credits roll, like we have to bring back our bologna sandwich that we're chewing on before the cinema. And it's like, I don't get that. As opposed to just going outside in the lobby and being like, Oh, Hey, you know, you're from India and you, you're, (laughs) you are I I mean, I, your film made me think of, I brought my friend from, I brought my brother-in-law from East Berlin and he stopped me at the door and he was like, do you realize how lucky you are that you can go to a movie anytime you want?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And
0: I was just like, what? Yeah. And and then I was like, oh, he's from East Berlin. He couldn't go to a movie.
1: Right. And I think what you're saying is absolutely one of the key themes of the movie that, yes, it's about movies and movie history and all of that. But the social context of the film and the cultural context is this idea that these places are and were community gathering places where people did come together. And today, if you're streaming something on your phone or on your computer, it doesn't leave the same impression as going to see... Star Wars or whatever some of your favorite movies have been in a place like this, where you have this beautiful environment and the movie and whoever you, you know, family or friends you went to see it with. It's not just the experience of seeing the movie, but it creates a memory and and a full experience that's, you know, that you just can't get when you're watching it on your TV at home. So, and, and so if we don't go to these places and become more aware of them and frequent them and help them, you know, the ones that we have left, help them to keep thriving, we will lose more of them. And I think a lot of people are becoming really conscious of that right now. Um, Hopefully. (laughs) Because that's really what they are about is that that communal experience and that community experience and creating memories. So um, they are important, in my opinion.
0: No, yeah, oh, totally. I mean, the reason why I'm being quiet is because I'll get off on a whole tangent. You'll hang up and I'll keep talking. Does, um, do you, did, did you have a specific set of films that uh, uh, you don't have to talk personally about your memories, but did you have a specific set of films where you were like, I'm doing this documentary because of when I saw X, Y, Z, like that was your kind of like inspirational yeah. tool.
1: You know, people have asked me that, but I grew up in a movie family and so I, my whole childhood and life into college and even today I would go and see every movie that I could and so I I saw every movie this way for years and years of my life and back in the days when I was in college you would actually open up a newspaper to see what movies were playing and where and I and I had a friend who loved movies as much as I did and we would go together all the time and sometimes we would open the paper. And we just be like, OK, we have seen every single movie out there. Which movie do you want to see a second time? <laughs> and just kind of keep going. Right. So we saw everything. And often, if it was the choice, you know, of course, I went to multiplexes also. But when I was in Chicago, um, af- right after college, if there was a choice between going to a movie, you know, a multiplex and going to a movie palace, even if it was in terrible condition and the seats were falling apart and it smelled old and whatever, I would always choose to go to the movie palace because you could just take it in and the sights and imagine what used to be there and what it might have been like in its glory. And, you know, it was just a much better experience and I would choose that if I could. But I mean, I remember seeing, I remember going to see Rocky. That movie is probably my favorite movie of all time. And I remember seeing that. At, at uh, the movie, you know, the neighborhood movie palace where I grew up, I remember seeing Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, at least forty times because my brother and sister started working at that same movie palace, so we could go see films there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've just always had a love of movies—big movies, indie movies, tracking directors and actors, and following their careers—and just sort of, you know, it's always been something I've been into.
0: Well. I I love that because I'm I'm the same way and I can remember with that when you're when you mention those newspaper things, I can remember in there was four cinemas in Waikiki where I at the time, I grew up in Hawaii, and I remember just memorizing what was playing at each theater, even though I wasn't quite of age to see most of the R-rated stuff, but I right. felt like I needed <laughs> to know what was playing within the vicinity of me. And I look back right, on that. And that was like, important
1: information to have. Right. Yes, yeah. Same.
0: <laughs> Movies you can't see that your dad's not going to sign you into because you're 13. Right. But you just need to know that it plays this Friday.
1: <laughs> I remember being that way about The Shining. I was obsessed with The Shining and the, the pictures in the oh. newspaper promoting The Shining. I wanted to see that more than anything. And, of course, I was too young and I couldn't see it. But, yeah, I had a Shining obsession and, and seeing. Paying attention
0: to that. <laughs> <laughs> I look back and it's great and it's fun, but there, there's been days where I'm just like, "Hmm." Uh, I mean, yeah, that was what the, the your movie resonated so much with me because of when I lived in Waikiki, and there was there was there was three within one block one way and two blocks the other way, and when mm-hmm. they they turned one into a Nike town. And it was like, I can just remember getting off work, going, and then we lived a block away in the other direction. So I just remember it was like totally safe. Like it was just, I'm going to go there. It's going to take five minutes to get to the theater. It's going to take ten, eight minutes to get home. Uh, Mm -hmm. Let's see, something else that your film that I was really, really interested in, I'm always interested when documentary filmmakers do this. Mm -hmm. Uh, what is the, I know there's always a shooting ratio for us filmmakers, well, cinematographers, filmmakers, but what is the editing ratio of putting together photographs?
1: Well, yeah, in the case of this film, because, you know, a lot of doctor- documentaries, if you're following a character, and it's their real life and it's unfolding. You're shooting things before you know what the total spine of your movie will be. In the case of this one, because it's history-based, I was able to do a lot of research uh, first and then kind of outline topics that I knew needed to be covered. And then uh, once you get involved with the communities that your film is about, and so in this film, it was uh, getting involved with the Art House Convergence, which is the association of all the independently owned and, and run uh, movie theaters, many of which are, you know, art house, I mean, uh, movie palaces. I also got involved with the Theater Historical Society of America, and they had a tremendous archive of photos that they gave us access to. And then we shot as much original stuff as we could um, but I was able to do a basic structure, and then once I got involved with the community, they helped me to identify who should be in the film, and I wanted to show diverse people and perspectives and points of view so that we had a well-rounded um, look at at the world of this, of this movie, and then I just kind of mapped out, you know, who who's an expert on each of the topics so that everybody could sort of chime in, but they would all shine in a certain area. And so um so the ratio to answer your question, um, we didn't have a lot of stuff that went unused. I mean, obviously we had things that we shot that didn't get into the film and portions of the interview that you have to be, you know, selective about how the whole story is told. But I would say it was pretty efficient with this one.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, no, you were on. You were you were dead on with this. There was no, uh, I mean, film histories are always, in my opinion, film history documentaries. I always feel like they're like very specific to us. Like we're gonna watch them. <laughs> we're gonna, yeah, yeah. You know, so but it's I like, but I really the- felt like this could have been. This is totally for the public. Like I would not say you have to be a filmmaker or love films, right. or and that's what I really appreciated about it.
1: Totally, and and. I didn't realize, you know, like I, you get to know a film very well. And I also edited it along with my producing partner, um, Rachel. She and I did the editing and most of the visual effects and everything. So, so, you know, the film very well, but it wasn't until I started showing it to audiences and I saw people really passionately connecting with the film and having a real emotional response to it. And I realized the reason why I think anyway, is. Because there is history and there, is, there are facts and there are information, but it's never delivered that way. It, everybody's just telling stories. So, you know, some somebody in the film is saying, you know, let me tell you a story about this lady, Mary Pickford, and what she did. And let me tell you a story about this guy, Roxy, and what he did. And so it's all just sort of shaped together through all these stories about these people. So you are completely engaged the whole time, even though you're getting information, um, you know, it's just a whole collage of really interesting people and stories. And I, I think that's why people are connecting to it in a, in a more emotional way, in a more visceral way than if it were just a history lesson.
0: Well, you did such a great job with that because I felt like it was kind of, I, I think this is the greatest struggle obviously that documentarians have is to create something people can, either don't need any info for can go back to, or can kind of be brushing up on. And that's what I was so excited about because a lot of the stuff I had like about the studio system. And uh, I mean, it's common knowledge. I'm not ruining the film, the monopolies and, uh, and all that stuff that uh, like I had, I had studied, but I hadn't studied in about 20 years. And so it was like once, your film mentioned it then it just like flooded back into me but I loved how it just presented all those aspects yeah yeah and it wasn't just like like, okay this is for filmmakers
1: right yeah it's like building blocks like I tried to sort of put all these building blocks together that include film history and studio history and architecture history and you know cultural changes like it's just all these pieces that when you build it all together then you get it and especially you know like the woman who saved Radio City Music Hall she mentioned she said one thing i love about your film is now people understand why it's important why we get so passionate why we want to save these places because it puts all those little building blocks in context and then and then you fully get it so i was really happy to hear that feedback from her <laughs>
0: Oh, that's, no, that's fantastic. That's total. I mean, I was, I said in the review that your film is not sad and it's not depressing, but it, it started, it made me uh, like, I don't want to go up that street anymore. <laughs> I was telling you about, you know, when we had right. shared correspondence, I was just thinking like, you know, really, why did... I even went in one of the Whole Foods once because I have a health condition where I have to eat. There was, like, no waiting until I got home. And, and then I was in there, and I was like, you know, what am I doing in here? Like, I, I swore these places off. Like, they're, it's all cool, and things move on, and it was, like, 30 years ago. But, like, I don't need to be in a Whole Foods. This was this was my movie scene. This is where I saw Back to the Future. Like, mm. It's so crazy. <laughs> so, so,
1: yeah, when they, when they become something else, yeah. And, and I think the people in the movie talk about this very well because, you know, if you save part of it, if you save the facade and, and you can go in places, like you said, and be like, oh, this Urban Outfitters was my movie theater or this CVS was my movie theater. And on one hand, you're kind of, you have some memories, but you're also kind of bummed out about it. So, yeah, it's mixed bag. I, I would think most people who try to save these places, they want to save them to continuous theaters. And sometimes that doesn't happen, and it's a bummer. But, um, yeah.
0: <laughs> now, you now you mentioned you made a, a drive through documentary. If you don't mind me asking real quick, which one, what was it called? Oh,
1: it's the, it's the first in the series of this one. It's Going Attractions the definitive story of the American drive-in movie. So it's a similar treatment,
0: just sort of looking at
1: the whole history. Oh, you these- made that? Yeah. Have you seen that one? That's so awesome. These- I totally
0: watched that movie. I love that movie.
1: Yeah. So it's on Amazon Prime and iTunes, and it's it's a few places now. Where oh, you can that's see it, you totally forget- awesome.
0: I'm sorry. I didn't mean to yeah, sound like TV a fan, TV. but, you know. No. That's so cool. Like, <laughs> like I saw You're- that film, and I was like, this filmmaker yeah. is awesome. I was like, I want to meet this filmmaker. Okay. I'm sorry. Like, uh,
1: I know we're all great. fans,
0: but I do try to contain no, the I,
1: show. Yeah. Well, I'm laughing only because this is like the third or fourth time that's happened to me where once they start talking to people, they realize, Oh yeah, I loved that film. I saw that film too. So yeah. I mean, it's, it, this one's getting a broader release because I have a, a, a distribution partner in this one. And Um, and it's a different film style wise because the drive-in one, you know, drive-ins are drive-ins and they're a little rougher around the edges. And, um, and this, this film is very epic and magical and kind of shows how the drive-ins feel. I mean, how the uh, movie palaces feel. And the other one kind of showed how the drive-ins feel. Um, so yeah, they're, they're the same, but different. (laughs)
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, and how they're, I mean, just last thing I'll say, there's, I went to one in Michigan, and I was fortunate I saw Wedding Crashers and 40-Year-Old Virgin when it broke. Um, that'd be a great I've never combo. been able to see. <laughs> yeah, a great combo, especially when it's like nobody knew what 40-Year-Old Virgin was. So it was like, wow, right, this is so right. funny. Uh, yeah, like, that'd be a,
1: that'd um, be a great drive-in double feature. That would be amazing. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, totally. I mean, and, and so, and now there's one, like my, you know, my, my parents live out in Kentucky and there's one like an hour away. And like, but, you know, again, that film in a good way, everyone got me thinking like, well, I used to love going to the drive-in and like, you know, like you were saying, it is the different thing. Like you can walk around, you can go outside, you can get some air, you can go sit by another speaker, you can, you know, mm-hmm. blah, blah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. But anyways, very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice to meet you. I'm so like, Yeah. wow. Um. It, so, okay. So now the, the premiere, we'll discuss some of that. Now, Uh. you've, I I mentioned in the review, you've been racking up a slew of awards and uh, Coney Island Film Festival, Niagara Falls International Film Festival, uh, Director's yep. Choice, Rhode Island Film Festival, uh, yep. And you said you're in Indianapolis for a festival. And, yep. uh So is this is this going to be? And you don't have to answer. I always just ask filmmakers. So is is uh sorry, is this week marking the end of your festival run, or is there still some other places people can see it?
1: No. So um, what I did, we just finished the final version of the film in August. So it's brand new, hot off the presses. Um, but I was able to connect with a distributor um, before I finished the film. And so we already had plans in the works and film festivals are part of the overall release strategy. So what we've been doing the last two months, we've been playing at a lot of festivals and a lot, a handful of screenings, some of them in historic movie palaces, And then our official world theatrical premiere is in Los Angeles. Um, Greg Lemley from the Lemley chain got behind the film. And so we're having our big big premiere October 24th at the fine arts, which is a a historic neighborhood movie palace. And then we're playing all week at five or six different Lemley locations all over LA. And then we're just um, booking all over the country. So it's, Coming to Seattle, it's coming to uh, Columbus. I mean, it's just pretty much
0: every city. We're in the
1: process of booking it right now. Um, so
0: wow, you're, oh, that's awesome. We're going to be playing at all the Lemleys. Yeah, okay. that's that's yeah, so the, that's so cool.
1: Yeah, and then we're having our Chicago premiere November twelfth at the Music Box, which is one of the theaters featured in the film that's having their ninetieth anniversary and that one's really cool for me because when I lived in Chicago I used to go see movies at the Music Box all the time so it's really fun to be having the Chicago premiere there but yeah it'll be all over the whole country Um, in some of these preview screenings I've already played in North Dakota, South Dakota Buffalo, New York I'm screening in well I played in um, Somerville outside of Boston last night I wasn't at that one but it did screen there the Lake Placid Film Festival is playing it this week um, so yeah, it's, we're, we will still be doing a lot of festivals and a lot of booking all over the country. So if people look for it, I think it's best to see it in a movie palace if you have that opportunity, if it's near you. Um, but we've also been playing at lots of multiplexes and regular theaters as well. So, um, everywhere.
0: <laughs> oh, that's so, oh, and you know, every time I hear the word Chicago, I just think of how many times I've been there and I'm just,
1: yeah, I just love that
0: place. It's just, uh, yeah. you know, it, it's just so wonderful and artistic. I, you know, when you think of architecture and the museums and that. Yeah, let's place, I'm not going to talk all like I'm some crazy art historian. I like the 4 a.m. blues bars with the bean pie, yeah, yeah. and the catfish and the music. And the. so I'm sorry, I mean, try to act like I'm some intellectual. <laughs> We're uh, on <honest> yeah. here <laughs> and, if anything. And- <laughs>
1: and it will and it will eventually, you know, be streaming and will be available on DVD and pay-per-view and all that um, eventually. But we're really focused right now just on getting it into theaters and we're, I mean, theaters are loving it and wanting to book it and audiences are booking it. So, so far, you know, we're just getting a really, like I knew people would like the film because they really liked the drive-in film, but for timing- maybe it's just timing now people are thinking about all the streaming and the movie theater going experience that it's something people are conscious of at the moment, but I, you know, we're definitely getting a bigger and better response than, than I even thought we would to this film. So that makes me really happy.
0: Well, yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. I, I, I really appreciate it. And like I told you, but I wanted to say it on air. I really appreciate the work you're doing and uh it just really fantastic. It's so cool to hear that it's playing all over. I mean all that gives us now some we have friends and associates all over the country. So this now we know that we can send it off to other places as well. So uh thank you for letting us know that. And um you know we appreciate the time where we when you're traveling. We know how good that can be and if there's any final website, anything, Facebook, social media that you want to plug before we wrap it up, feel free.
1: Yeah, we're everywhere. I mean, the website is just goingattractions.com. We do have a very active Facebook page and all the social media, so you can find it. And there's links to it all off the main website too. Also all the screening locations, we, we keep updating there. So it's just www.goingattractions.com and there's a mailing list on there too. If you join that, you'll get all the updates. Oh, that's
0: fantastic! Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time, April. We our team appreciates it. Even though I'm just the one. Oh no! Thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. I was I was so excited when I got up because I was just like, I get to talk about movie theaters in a little while. So (laughs) yeah. All right. Excellent. Well, safe travels to you. Have a wonderful, fantastic uh, premiere.
1: All right. Thank you.
0: All right. You're welcome. Take care and aloha. Bye.
1: Aloha to you. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to the Talking Pictures Podcast. Real conversation and movie-induced inspiration.